What's going on, people? Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble SGR 112. We are on here, and it is conference championship weekend in the NFL. Only two games to break down, of course. Only three games remaining in the NFL season. Um, I am going to start in the AFC. Um, I know that the AFC is actually the second game being played on Sunday. Um, Eagles 49ers, of course, kicking off at 3 p.m. Bengals Chiefs kicking off at 6.30. I'm a massive Eagles fan, so I'm going to have a lot more to say on this Eagles 49ers game. I've also got more um, actual like statistical information and research on that game to be totally up front. Um, I knew all week who I was picking in that game, not to get too far ahead of ourselves here in this episode, but I'm sure you guys can probably uh, guess what my pick's going to be. But I, I, I figured if I'm going to give you you know, mainly one side of that game, I should probably have some good data to back it up. So I've got a lot to say about this NFC showdown. But before we get to that one, I've got to give my thoughts here on the Burrow versus Mahomes matchup. I mean, uh, both games going to be super fun to watch and super fun to talk about here. So I am excited to do the AFC, but really, um, you know, I, I just can't wait to uh, get into this Eagles talk here in the second half of this episode. So let's, you know, let's just jump right into it here with the AFC championship breakdown. We got the three seed Bengals taking on the one seed Chiefs. Uh, Bengals coming off a 27 to 10 win in Buffalo last week. Chiefs coming off a 27 20 win against the Jaguars. Uh, Chiefs have an extra day to prepare here, uh, having the advantage of playing on Saturday as opposed to Sunday. Um, Bengals uh, have played two playoff games so far where the Chiefs, uh, well-rested, only playing one. So, obviously, that one seed getting the home field advantage and a couple other baked-in uh, advantages on the timeline here logistically. Um, but the uh, the Bengals have beaten this team three times in a row in their last three meetings. And, you know, obviously it's kind of the main headline here that along with Patrick Mahomes ankle injury, you know, that's been the talk all week. How healthy is Mahomes? Is he going to be a hundred percent? Is he going to be able to move outside the pocket and extend plays and, and do what he does best? So a lot of narratives to consider here. The line has moved quite a bit this week. As we get into it uh, from a, from a numbers and a uh, gambling perspective here, the Bengals currently plus one, Chiefs one point favorites at home. The over under in this one's forty seven and a half. But I want to talk about the spread right now. Um, this line has moved early in the week. I believe Chiefs. I don't remember where it opened. I think Chiefs were at one one and a half or so, uh, similar to where it's at right now. I don't believe this was ever as high as two and a half this week. But um, with the concerns about Mahomes' ankle and a lot of the early reports uh, talking about this high ankle sprain being a pretty severe one, the market got hammered with sharp cash on the Bengals right away. And this spread flipped from KC minus one to I think I saw... The Bengals minus one and a half. I don't think I saw anything past a two on that side of it. 
Um, and then uh, throughout this week here, you know, we've gotten more reports on the medical status of Mahomes. We've gotten more footage. Um, you know, there is practice film that's been leaked out there. You can go find it on the internet of Mahomes just doing, you know, his warm up lines and stretches and calisthenics and things like that and just moving around. And you can just see there's not much of a limp there. And he looks to be pretty smooth with his motion. There's not a whole lot of a gait um to his his walking uh and it's just it looks like he somehow is making a, a pretty incredible recovery here and if if he's 100 percent, then this game is it's tough to call it's really closer to a toss-up than anything whereas if it is a situation where Mahomes is only you know 70 percent here and his mobility is severely hampered you 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 have to pick the Bengals, I think, in that situation, um, or at least favor them, uh, like like the the um, the lines indicated. So, uh, once those videos came out and we saw a little bit more of uh, Mahomes not looking too horrible this week, the the spread went and flipped back. Some cash came back in on the Chiefs side to draw that number back over the zero. So we're at Chiefs minus one here. It's a tough game to pick. I've personally gone back and forth with this as the uh, line has flipped throughout the week. Um, I'll say here, you know, a big thing that I want to point out right off the bat, um, Andy Reid is coaching in his 10th uh, conference championship game as a head coach here. It's his second team here and he's gotten each of them to five conference championships that's pretty crazy it's the chief's fifth conference championship in a row obviously these teams have uh have met three times in the past two years uh Bengals three and oh right burrow is three and oh against mahomes it's getting a lot of coverage their last three matchups week 17 of the 2021 season Bengals win 34 31 AFC Championship later that season, Bengals win 27-24. And then week 13 of this year, the Bengals also win 27-24. So, first initial takeaway right there, all three games went over the total. You know, so that's something to consider. I'm leaning over 47.5 in this spot already, so that'll be my pick on the total. I do think these two offenses are potent enough. Um, with or without Mahomes' injury, I think the Chiefs are good for 24 points. And, um, you know, Burrow and this team, they were able to move the ball very easily last week for a majority of that game against Buffalo. They were running the ball very well. I think both these teams are going to be able to run the ball pretty well um, based on how we've seen their last uh, three matchups play out. So I do like this game to be higher scoring here. It's easier for me to pick the over than it is to pick a spread here. I mean, really, this is this is most likely a game just like we've seen their last three matchups. Decided by three points and the team with the ball last wins, right? I mean, we're talking about a couple of walk-off field goals here, an overtime victory in the AFC Championship game last year. Um, so, so calling a winner here, I wish I could, could give you guys a lock on the spread. It's a one point spread for a reason. It's a toss up. And again, it, it might be whoever has that ball last. Um, but I'll point out, you know, some of the matchups that I like here. I talked about how I think both teams can run the ball in this matchup. 
talked about how the Bengals uh, did a good job running last week against Buffalo. Joe Mixon had 105 rushing yards last week against the Bills. I like him to go over his rushing prop again this week. It's it's only 57 and a half. I'm seeing a variance on this prop, 57 and a half, 58 and a half, and 59 and a half across the four different sports books I'm looking at on my bet stamp app right now. So, you know, I think that number is moving up a little bit. I think started probably closer to the 55 to 57 range and is as we see moving upwards, um, getting close to that, that 60 mark here. And I'm going to catch it while it's on the move. It's too low of a number. Like I said, 105 rushing yards against the Bills last week. And then I looked into their, their history against this Chiefs team as, the, as they've obviously uh, uh, run into each other quite a bit here. Mixon in the AFC Championship game last year had 88 rushing yards in Arrowhead. And then he actually missed that game uh, week 13 this uh, regular season. But P. Ryan in his replacement was able to carve this Chiefs team up for 106 yards on the ground. So uh, Mixon, I think, will be heavily involved. I think we've seen um, this Bengals team uh, so far in, in this playoffs and as well as the entire playoff run last year uh, show to be a little bit more balanced and, and run committed on offense. I think that they value the physicality and the toughness and kind of the attitude that Mixon brings, um, not only in you know being able to act as that hammer against the defense and pick up first downs and, and move the chains and then obviously set up play action for Joe Burrow, which is really the most dangerous part of this. If they start moving the ball and they're able to set up Joey B on those those deep play fakes look out but I think also again Mixon he brings that attitude it's a gusto thing it's a swagger thing um and it's hard to say like obviously Burrow's swagger is is untouchable maybe across the league but Mixon's swagger is a little different Mixon's kind of been that like vocal leader for me down the stretch um, in this uh, this Bengals locker room, at least towards the media, I would say. I don't know who's given the rah-rah speeches in their locker room, but Mixon is not a guy. He's a guy who's not afraid to, to uh, speak out publicly when he thinks he's being disrespected, his teammates or his team itself as a whole is being disrespected. Mixon's a tough son of a bitch. I really liked what he was doing in Buffalo last week. Um, and I think he can go over his rushing yards again. I, I caught the number at 58 and a half. And um, it is only moving up right now. I'll say this, you know, they were able to run very well in Buffalo last week. And I think part of that was uh, the fact that they were playing in the snow. That helps. Um, I'm not seeing any snow on the forecast here. I think if we do get any snow or precipitation, I think that, again, is going to help both these teams in the uh, the running game. Um, the Bengals were able to do all that in Buffalo, missing three of their starting offensive linemen. So far, I'm seeing two of their own linemen again confirmed out this week. Alex Kappa and Caleb, excuse me, um, Jonah Williams. I almost called him Caleb Williams there. Uh, so they're, again, missing a couple starters on their O-line, but I think, if anything, they run... I think they lean on the running game a little bit more in that situation where they're down two starters on the O-line. I think if they don't establish the run 
with a couple of uh, weaker links in the offensive line there, then that's just going to set up that Kansas City pass rush to, to just go after Burrow even more than they're potentially already going to be trying to do. So I think it helps the offensive line to get the running game going is what I'm saying because it's, it's going to slow down that Kansas City pass rush. And we all know that you know this, this Bengals offense, when they stall out, it's usually because Burrow is is under too much pressure and he's taken too many sacks. I mean, we saw him take 19 sacks last year in the playoffs alone. And so I think in order to get ahead of that and, and help, again, you know, their backup offensive linemen, um, you know, be in a more advantageous situation to not have to just drop back and pass 50 times in this game, I think they get Mixon going. And they get him going early, I would say. They, they, they seem to get him involved right away on that first drive against the Bills quite a bit. Really liked what he was doing the first half of that game, so... I've gone out about three mix three minutes about Mixon, but I do see a lot of this game being played out on the ground. I know the headline is uh, these two quarterbacks, and and well deserved. You know these guys. Uh, we could be looking at the next um, Brady Manning, and I think a lot of people were ready to say that about Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, but. I mean, sorry, Bills fans, but beat one of these guys in the playoffs, and then I'll put you into the fucking conversation. But Josh Allen has not beaten Mahomes or Burrow in the playoffs yet in his career. So until then, sorry, dude, this is the rivalry that I'm watching in the AFC for the time being. You know, I, I think uh, I think this is going to be a great game. The, the fact that Mahomes is uh, seemingly... You know, he's, he doesn't look to be limited. He's actually off the injury report, like final injury designation here Friday afternoon, not listed with an injury designation. So I think we're going to get another classic here. Um, I'll, I'll say if Mahomes is a little bit more conservative as far as uh, running outside the pocket, we have seen his passing yards actually go up in games where he's staying inside the pocket. Um, recent history, he's, when he's staying inside the pocket, um, throwing, uh, excuse me, when he's got over 90% of his snaps staying inside the pocket, he's got like three straight 400 yard passing games, some crazy stat that I heard this week. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a good game to take some player props. I like the over in this one quite a bit. Like I said, um, Burrow 17 and a half rushing yards seems doable to me. He actually had 46 in their matchup in week 13 this year. And again, with a couple of backup offensive linemen, um, maybe Burrow is forced to, uh, create and improvise outside of the pocket a little bit more than he normally would. Plus the season's on the line, uh, Burrow, you know, what did, what did footsteps Falco say in the replacements? Uh, winners want the ball when the game's on the line. So I think I like both those guys to go over their rushing props. I was looking at Jamar Chase's props. Uh, six and a half is where his receptions are set. I was hoping to get a smaller number, to be honest. It's a little bit lofty. If I was going to look at him, I might take the yards over the receptions. But uh as far as the game pick, guys, I mean, as you can tell, most of the props that I'm looking at are Bengals props. I think part of that is because it's just easier to tell what players on their offense are going to be involved. In Kansas City's scenario, I think they'll be able to move the ball just fine, but good luck guessing which receiver gets involved outside of Travis Kelsey 
And good luck guessing, you know, who gets a majority of the production between Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco. So it's just tougher um, to figure out where things are going. And and I'll also say I've been really impressed by this Bengals defense. Um, You know, this year as a whole, their defense has gotten better from last year. But last uh, the last playoff run last year, they really got hot. And a lot of people remember the Bengals. Um, you know, winning on the backs of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and the explosive offense, but they were winning a lot of defensive battles down the stretch throughout those playoffs, and their defense and special teams was a massive part of of that run. And this, uh, even though they've given up, you know, high scores to the Chiefs in their last three contests, it seems like this defense matches up against Mahomes pretty well. We saw what they were able to do to Josh Allen last week. They made the Bills' life miserable last week, Josh Allen specifically. And I think a lot of it is because defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo is just doing an excellent job right now at maximizing you know, the production of this Bengals defense based on the talent around it. They don't really have any superstars. Trey Hendrickson, very, very good. Jesse Bates, very, very good. Like those two guys, if you want to put them in the superstar category, maybe you can do that. Outside of that, no real big names. Mike Hilton's uh, kind of an unsung guy, but a very, very good slot corner in this league. And then it's just kind of a bunch of guys playing very well at their roles. Like Eli Apple's a scumbag, and I, I don't even want to talk about that guy. But he seems to be playing the best football of his career for the Bengals as opposed to like... He was really getting worked earlier in his career in a lot of situations. Um, Anarumo really, I think, is a great defensive coordinator. He had a couple of head coaching interviews last year. Didn't have any this year for some reason. Don't know why. But he's doing a fantastic job, and I don't think it gets enough credit as far as how this Bengals defense has been able to um, really excel um, against these stud quarterbacks in the AFC. And, and the second half adjustments, um, as far as you know, being down uh, three scores to this Chiefs team in the AFC championship game last year and then only allowing three points in the second half, you know, um, I think that Anarumo and this defense I like better than the Chiefs and their defense. So I'm going to pick the Bengals here. To be honest, I've, I've gone back and forth about three times today alone on this pick. Again, it's not high confidence. Um, it's just it's going to be the team with the ball last. These two quarterbacks are going to give us a show. Uh, I, I really like Mixon's rushing yards in this game, probably as my best bet of this game here. Um, and I'll have a couple other props most likely posted on Sunday. But I... Uh, I think, I think, again, it comes down to me trusting the Bengals' defense more than the Chiefs. De- like, the Bengals' defense versus Mahomes, to me, is um, I like the defense's odds there more than I like the Chiefs' defense against Burrow. I think Burrow will be able to handle whatever the Chiefs' defense throws at him. This, you know, the Chiefs are great, but I think that this Bengals' team giving the Chiefs offense trouble is more likely than the Chiefs defense giving Joe Burrow trouble. So at the end of the day, I just think Burrow's too clutch. He makes just all the right throws exactly when you need. It's like whenever they need a big third down, 
they get it and they get it pretty easily. It seems like his first read is there. And it's just like if you he's going to drop back and his first read's going to be open and he's going to get the ball out of his hands in less than two seconds and he's going to put it in the perfect spot. And it's not anything to take away from Patrick Mahomes, but I I just am really, maybe I'm getting wrapped up in the prisoner of the moment kind of thing, but Joe Burrow is fucking hard to pick against. And I I can't believe I'm saying this. I think the Bengals uh, might be going back to their second straight Super Bowl here. So I think that's where I'm at with it, guys. Um, It's about 20 minutes on this AFC Championship preview, and we might go a full half hour on the Eagles. So I guess I'll stop it there, um, and we'll make a transition. We'll jump over to the NFC. But official game picks for me here, Bengals plus one. Like it, don't love it. Again, if the Chiefs win this game, I'm not surprised. They're the Chiefs. You know, they'll, they they find a way to... Um, they won't get blown out for sure. And if Andy Reid is able to scheme this offense up... Andy Reid losing to a team four straight times, that'd be something, right? It's just, I again, this Bengals defense in Burrow is enough for me to... Um, I think that if you, if you take Mahomes off the Chiefs, they're not that great. Um, and I think the same can be true for the Bengals. But again, like, the Bengals have... Higgins and Chase and Mixon and a good defense where I think like a you could you could get some decent shit out of a backup QB. The Chiefs, on the other hand, like the only reason a backup QB is successful is because Andy Reid's gonna put him in a good situation. But realistically, like talent-wise, their receivers don't make up for a downgraded quarterback. Their defense doesn't really make up for a downgraded quarterback, in my opinion. So yeah, I'm just trying to talk myself into actually picking the Bengals, but I'm gonna do it. They're going to beat the Chiefs four times in a row. I'll take the Bengals plus one. More confident in this game, over 47 as the point total. And again, I really like that Joe Mixon rushing prop. It's just way too low of a number here. All right, it's time. Let's talk about it. The NFC Championship. Hopefully my thoughts are a little less scattered on this game. Because to be honest, you know, I was just trying to get through that last one. I want to talk Eagles Niners here. I can't wait for this game. Um, the 49ers, the two seed here, riding a 12-game winning streak into the NFC Championship game, but they've got to go across the country and into the link to take on the one-seed Eagles. The Eagles are a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. The over-under is 46-and-a-half in this game. You guys know who I'm picking. The Eagles are winning this game, and to be honest, I'm not that nervous about it, and I hate saying that because, like, the my biggest fear is to come and say on this show that, you know, the Eagles are going to blow a team out, and then they have a disappointing game, and they lose, and I get embarrassed, right? Like, that's always kind of in the back of my head. You guys, I think if you listen to my breakdown on that Eagles-Giants game last week, you could probably hear that in a lot of my analysis. Because I actually went back and and re-listened to that segment and listened to myself make a very logical case for why the Eagles had no reason to be worried in that game. And then I went and still picked the Giants plus 7.5 on the spread and talked about how I was like weirdly nervous even though there was nothing to be nervous about and I even said that like it's not the matchup that I was nervous about it was more like 
this weird kind of just playoff anxiety in general, I think. And after seeing the way that that team was ready to fucking go last Saturday, and look, yeah, they beat the Giants. It's not that big of a deal. The Giants really aren't that good. Probably one of the worst playoff teams we've seen in the last few years. There was actually quite a few teams in this tournament this year that really were not impressive looking back on it. But um, the Eagles still, 38-7 to last week. The defense was just all over Daniel Jones from the fucking start. And now this 49ers team, a lot more talented, but it's still a quarterback that I think can be rattled pretty easily. And, you know, we'll get to that. I have a bunch of different um, bullet points here for you guys on why I think Brock Purdy has a a tough matchup ahead of him here on Sunday. But I want to set the stage a little bit and I want to... I just want to talk a little bit about some of the the narratives and and some of the mentality that this locker room is coming into this game with. And I think that these are things that me as an Eagles fan is going to be able to provide to the average fan who doesn't pay as much attention to this team specifically. Like, Like national narratives are not going to necessarily line up with like how this team and how this city and this community and like the local level and local reporters are actually, you know, feeling the vibes right now around this organization. I'm not in Philly. So when I say like this team in this city, like you guys got to bear with me here, but I think that this Eagles team has a strange chip on their shoulder for being a one seed and favored at home in the NFC championship game. Like to me in you know, again, maybe this isn't the public narrative, but this is how the Eagles feel about it. They feel disrespected in this spot. They almost feel like underdogs here, and maybe that sounds stupid, but again, this Eagles team has been the best team in the NFL all season, and people, like, still at this point are hesitant to say it, really. And a lot of people out there, a lot of the fucking football nerds and the analytics guys and the people, you know, that spend too much time on Twitter, like myself, right? A lot of people have been talking all season about how this 49ers team is the best team and how, you know, I get it that the things that they do offensively, with the explosive skill players, the McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, they have so much talent and their skill their their scheme is incredible. Shanahan really knows how to get these guys into good spots and set his offense up to really they've been fucking some teams up and the defense obviously is very 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 good statistically number 1 in um overall scoring this year as a defense. Uh, but I'll say, and and we'll get into these numbers here in a second. This is going to be a long one, guys. But this Eagles defense, I think that they feel like they're the best defense in the NFL. Statistically second in scoring. But again, they finished number one in, in a litany of categories. And I think that there's a certain um, mental, um, you know, perception or excuse me, perspective by this team that they should be getting more credit. People should be talking about this Eagles team as a historic defense, not the 49ers. Just because you allow less points in the regular season when you're playing against fucking Baker Mayfield and Geno Smith and Colt McCoy in your division doesn't really mean a whole lot when you get to January and you got to shut down Philly, right? So 
I think that this Eagles team does have a weird chip on their shoulder here in the fact that San Francisco is is getting more recognition as a team for their defensive performance this year. And on top of that, if we look more into some of the uh, the end of season, the regular season awards here and how some of these situations are playing out, I mean, if you, if you guys remember, this team started, what did we start, 8-0, 9-0, something like that, and Hertz was, you know, pretty clearly the favorite for MVP before he went down over that back month of the season missing two games. Um, Hertz... If again, if he finished the whole season, he'd be the MVP this year. It's now most likely going to Mahomes. Hertz did get nominated for the MVP. That's fantastic, but he's probably not winning it at this point. It's it's pretty widely accepted or or talked about that Mahomes is going to get the MVP here. So Hertz is going to get snubbed out of the MVP in a season where he should have gotten it, and then. He's also a finalist for the Offensive Player of the Year award, but if you look at current odds, Justin Jefferson is a massive favorite to take home that award. It's it's not that common that we see it go to two quarterbacks. Usually they'll give it to the best running back or wide receiver for that, that award. It went to Cooper Cup last year, and Justin Jefferson um, having, what, like 1,900 receiving yards or whatever he finished with, led the league in yards and catches. He's favored to get that. So <clears throat> after that incredible statistical season where Jalen Hurts carried the best team in football and put up some of the best numbers in football to the best record in football, he's not going to get MVP or Offensive Player of the Year. Okay, that's fine. You know, regular season awards, that's fine. Jalen's got something bigger to do here. You want to talk about Nick Sirianni feeling that same type of disrespect. Not only is he the kind of coach that's going to take something like that personal uh, for his players, Sirianni himself didn't even get, uh, he wasn't even named a finalist for coach of the year. This guy took a team, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the Eagles finished, they, they started 3-6 and six last year, right? They finished... Six and two last year in the regular season, seven and two last year in the regular season, whatever it was, and then a 14 and three this year. Like, all this guy has done is build this program and lead this team to a dominant regular season, and he's not even nominated for coach of the year after he was a minus 350 favorite going into the back third of the season. I remember looking at the odds for Nick Sirianni to win coach of the year. He was like minus 350, guys. I'm not making this up. Now he's not even nominated at the end of the season because all he did was win the one seed and win a game in the divisional round, 38-7. to So there's a lot of disrespect here, I think, being taken from this Eagles team. I, I think... That they, you know, like a lot of great athletes we've seen do this. You know, anybody who watched The Last Dance, Michael Jordan used to, like, create reasons to hate his opponents and make up disrespectful things that they could have said to him. But, you know, just to create that chip on his shoulder, I think the Eagles are doing that a little bit with some of this narrative stuff. Brandon Graham, their defensive end, is in his 13th season in the NFL, coming off an ACL. Terry played one game last year, missed the entire season. He now has the most sacks in a regular season of his career. He's having the best year of his career, year 13. Not even considered 
for a nominee for comeback player of the year. The comeback player of the year this year, I think the finalists are fucking Geno Smith, who should win it. Um, And then it's like McCaffrey and Saquon, who both played like 13 games last year. Like, those guys got more credit for having comeback years than a 13-year veteran and former Super Bowl champ who, this is the guy that sacked Tom Brady and forced the fumble in the last two minutes of Super Bowl 52. He's coming off an ACL tear in his 12th year and then has double-digit sacks, sets a new career high for sacks in his 13th season off a torn ACL. Not even a single mention for comeback player of the year. These are the things that the Eagles are paying attention to that not everybody else is. Okay, and yeah, maybe there's some shit like that going on on the 49ers side that I haven't heard of. That's totally possible, but I can't really give you that side of it. I will say what I have heard from the 49ers this week has also put a bit of a smile on my face. Debo Samuel providing some bulletin board material for me here, talking about, he said the same shit that Trevor Lawrence said going into that Arrowhead game. Trevor Lawrence talked about how, yeah, Arrowhead will be loud, but I can't imagine it'll be any louder than our home crowd was Saturday night in Duval. I got news for you, Trevor Lawrence. Arrowhead isn't fucking Duval, okay? And Debo Samuel went and said the same dumb fucking shit this week, talking about how, yeah, Philly's going to be loud, but there's, you know, no crowd in the NFL is louder than our home. Really, dude? Really? Have you played an NFC championship game at the link, Debo? Because... And, and have you done it with a seventh-round rookie undrafted free agent as your quarterback trying to, you know, read coverages, decipher blitzes, direct pass protection, and fucking manage the snap count all with 50,000 hammer-drunk Philadelphia Eagles fans screaming at you as loud as they can? Have you really done that, Debo? Because I think, I think you're going to have... A rude fucking awakening when that shit hits you on Sunday. I really, I guess that's going to bring me to my next point. Let's talk about Brock Purdy. And let's talk about this Eagles defense. And let's talk about why the kid is in trouble. I really, 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 I'm, I'm trying not to get overzealous. But, dude, I'm really not very nervous for this game. I really think that Purdy is in over his head. Maybe this is low-hanging fruit. I guess people have been kind of like doubting this guy, you know, can he do this? Can he keep it going? Can he keep it going? Well, like, yeah, he's been able to keep it going. I hate to say this, famous last words, it's got to stop sometime, right, is the thinking. It doesn't have to stop sometime, to be honest, but I think that it does stop in Philadelphia. I don't see how Purdy beats this defense, and then you put the home crowd into it. Get the fuck out of here. This Eagles defense, I mentioned, they're feeling slighted because the 49ers get all the credit and all the talk. This Eagles defense was historic. This Eagles defense was the best defense in the NFL this year. I don't give a shit about the 49ers, okay? This Eagles team had 70 sacks this year. The NFL record is 72 by the 84 Bears. We were two sacks away from setting the NFL record by team sacks in a season. Yeah, we get the extra game. I I get it, but you could say that with every single record from now till the rest of time, okay? Two sacks away from the all-time record for team sacks. First team in NFL history to have four different players with double-digit sacks. We had Hassan Reddick with 16 and a half, second in the NFL to Nick Bosa, of course. Uh, but Hassan Reddick 
uh, should have probably been first-team All-Pro over Micah Parsons. And I get it that Mike is probably getting double-teamed more. Dude, I don't care. Reddick out-sacked him by, like, five or six sacks. He had twice as many forced fumbles. Look at the stats. You'd be hard-pressed to find a pass rusher that had a more dominant season this year than Hassan Reddick, considering that T.J. Watt missed time and maybe some, you know, some other guys just didn't put up the numbers, man. I'm telling you, Reddick and Bosa, one and two as far as um, performance off the edge this season. They really, He really was that good. And then we got Josh Sweat with a career high in sacks. Brandon Graham, I mentioned, career high in sacks. We've even got a fucking defensive tackle, Javon Hargrave, who went double-digit sacks this year. So I think that this team is going to be able to get a shit ton of pressure on Purdy. This 49ers defense or offense, excuse me, in their scheme is obviously run, you know, through the running game, the outside run zone. I think the Eagles have played outside run pretty well this year. You know, their defense was um, getting the way that you were beating the Eagles uh, towards like the middle middle portion of the season was with that ball control and and the the running and paper cutting up the middle. But the defense was much better over the second half of the season. Um, on top of that, if you throw the home field in there, the Eagles were actually 11th in the NFL in yards per game allowed run defense at home this season. So the home road splits was a big deal for this run defense. They've been able to get healthy over the back end of the season. Jordan Davis is full go. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave is is uh, good to go. And then we've, we also brought in, uh, in Dominic and Sue and Linval Joseph this season, talk about the outside run and really just eyeball test. I don't have stats on this. The Eagles have played outside run pretty well this season. It seems to me like anytime somebody wants to try it on us, our linebackers have been flowing pretty well and they're, we have pretty undersized linebackers, but they're fast, which I think is good against this 49ers. Like I said, our defense is big enough in the middle and then our linebackers are fast enough on the outside where Yes, that is the part of the 49ers offense that scares me the most. If they are able to get that running game going, and if CMC is just fucking running 10 yards before anybody's even touching him, that will worry me. That will worry me quite a bit. I don't really think it happens. I think, first off, the Eagles would be smart to take the ball right off the bat and score in this game. We scored first against the Giants. You go down 7 nothing. you get a stop, you get another score, you're up two scores against Daniel Jones, and then you let your pass rush go and you take, you know, you can't lean on Saquon Barkley to get you back in a game when you're down 14 nothing in the first quarter. That, to me, if that happens here, if the Eagles do score first and we're able to put pressure on this 49ers offense right away, and if Purdy does stumble a little bit, then I think this could actually get out of hand early, to be honest. I'm not calling for the blowout. If it happens, though, hey, like this is how. The Eagles get up early, and the 49ers are forced to get back into it with Brock Purdy. The running game becomes less effective, and you're not as not able to lean on Christian McCaffrey and some of those gadgets with Debo and whatnot underneath as much, and then the pass rush gets a hold of Purdy. I mentioned the crazy sack numbers. I mean, this defense ranked first in the NFL this year in not only sacks, but defensive pressure rate, yards per play allowed, pass uh, pass defense, overall yardage allowed, um, passing yards 
per attempt allowed. Um, they led the league in tackles for loss and opponent negative yard plays. Okay, so we're going to swarm, all right? I, what I mentioned about the outside runs, I, I see a lot of anytime somebody's trying to run halfback toss, halfback sweep, we're stopping them in the backfield more often than not, or we're at least getting some penetration and slowing it down. I like the way that our linebackers flow uh, horizontally. And like I said, I think our defensive line is very stout up the middle. Again, I think at a point or several points in this game, Purdy's going to be forced to really put on his fucking big boy pants and overcome this Philadelphia Eagles pass rush in a crucial situation. And I don't see it happening. Um. Yeah, uh, the Eagles should be getting Avante Maddox back, um, not listed on the final injury report. He's going to play. He's our starting slot corner. That has been a weakness in the defense since he's been out, but getting Maddox back should be good for us. The Eagles also um, statistically this year have done really well limiting yards after catch on passes over the middle and the intermediate. So that means those slants to Ayuk and Debo, um, the Eagles have been a very good defense in tackling and limiting yards after catch on plays like that this season. I think that is obviously advantageous here. Um, rookie quarterbacks are 0-4 straight up in conference championship games. No rookie quarterback has ever been to the Super Bowl. Let's make it 0-5 after this weekend. Brock Purdy. Um, I expect to go under his passing yards. 219.5 is the total like that. Um, the Eagles have held 16 of the 19 quarterbacks they've faced this year under their passing yardage prop. Again, this defense is fucking mean, guys. And it's Purdy's third NFL road game, first NFL road start. In college, actually, the guy was 21-4 and four straight up as a starter at home, 10-13 and 13 on the road. Ooh, yikes, Purdy. Um, what else do I have for you on Purdy? He drops, or excuse me, you guys have noticed a lot of what Purdy's been doing has been, uh, creating plays, you know, outside the pocket. He's been doing all right, extending plays, scrambling around a little bit and, uh, finding guys downfield. Good fucking luck against this Eagles pass rush. Purdy leaves the pocket on 18% of his dropbacks. The Eagles' pass rush is going to eat him alive. Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, off the top of my head, maybe the fastest outside pass rush duo in the league. Not saying the best. They're pretty good. They're very good. Um, but Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick are two very fast uh, perimeter pass rushers. If Purdy tries to scramble like that, he is going to get broken in half against this defense. You heard it here first. I really feel good about this matchup. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Eagles NFC Championship game against the Vikings in 2017. When, yeah, the Vikings had this great regular season run and they were really blowing a lot of teams out. And it was like, oh man, this Vikings team is legit. They might even be the best team in the NFL. And then everybody forgot that Case Keenum had to win a playoff game in Philadelphia. I'm sorry, dude, but Brock Purdy, uh, what is it in Cinderella? The, the shoe's got to drop sometime, right? Am I using that right? Um, this Eagles team here, 
for me, um, turnovers has been a big story for both of these teams, more so the 49ers, to be honest, this season. And I want to shout out Elliot Shore Parks, Eagles beat reporter, for supplying this uh, information. These are some pretty juicy stats that I found here. As far as turnovers go, this 49ers team needs turnovers. They thrive in turnovers. All of those blowout victories have come off of turnovers this year. The 49ers... Um, when they are getting two or more turnovers, they score 10 more points per game in games when they get two turnovers versus games where they get one or less. So let me say that again. The 49ers score 10 points per game more in games where their defense gets two or more turnovers versus games where they get one turnover or less. They average about 20 points per game. Uh, with one or fewer turnovers generated, and they average 30 points per game when they get two or more, okay? The Eagles, on the other hand, stay constant, okay? They actually, they average one more point when they get the extra turnover. Turnover. So in games where the Eagles' defense only gets one turnover this season, they average 27 points per game. In games where the Eagles get two or more turnovers, they average 28 points per game. So that shows you that the Eagles do not rely as much on the defensive takeaways to score points. Whereas the 49ers, if they can't get a couple of picks or a couple of fumbles in this spot, they're going to have their work cut out for them. Their offense only puts up 20 points per game when they struggle to get those turnovers their way. On top of that, the 49ers... This season are 0-4 when they lose the turnover battle. The Eagles, on the other hand, are 3-2 this year when they have lost the turnover battle. So the Eagles have three wins this year in games where they had a negative turnover deficit. The 49ers were 0-4 in that situation. Also this year, in games where their team got one or less turnovers, the 49ers were 4-3 this year. The Eagles were 9-2. And in the in two of those those two losses were the games that Minshew started. So the Eagles were nine and zero in games with Jalen Hurts when their defense got one or less turnovers. Where the 49ers were four and three this season. Those numbers to me are everything here. Hurts, if there's anything he's done well this season, it is protect the football. The guy's decision making is really impressive. It's almost boring. To watch if you're not paying attention to what you're watching because the guy just makes the right decision on literally every play. He's not going to put the ball in harm's way. He only threw, I think, six interceptions this year. Um, the RPO game is awesome. The way that he is reading the defenses more often than not correct decision on those uh, those read options there. And then what he does in the running game to be able to, you know, the defensive end having to honor that and not being able to collapse on the run, it opens up things for the running backs in that running game that you just can't do with a pocket passer. Um, so I, I really, I, I think that Hertz would have to play terribly in this game for the 49ers to pull it off. And I just, I'm, I don't doubt Hertz at this point. Like, he's going to be ready for the moment. He has this calm, cool demeanor. People want to talk about Joe Burrow as being like the coolest, swaggiest, like most even keel kind of guy in the league. 
I think that you have to start putting Jalen Hurts in that conversation. Now, is this the second year in a row that Burrow's done it versus, I guess, really the first season that we've seen it fully from Hurts? Yes. So I get it. But if Hurts comes out and does this again next year, he's immediately in that conversation of top five, maybe top three guys in the league to build a franchise around based off this season. The Eagles offensive line is very, very good. That's another reason why I feel like, um, again, I, I think it'll be hard for the 49ers to generate those turnovers, and I, and I give Philly the advantage. Um, I think that uh, Nick Bosa, yeah, I mentioned, probably defensive player of the year, most sacks in the league. Um, the fact that Jalen Hurts is so mobile, I think is going to maybe neutralize the pass rush a little bit there. On top of that, he'll probably be going against Lane Johnson a majority of the game there. Lane Johnson hasn't given up a sack in two years. I say it on every episode here. Actually, to go a step further, not just Lane Johnson, but that whole Eagles O-line is filthy. This is a fascinating stat. Shout out Ryan Kramer at Kramercentric on Twitter of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Those guys do great work, and I stole this trend from Ryan, who probably stole it from someone else on the internet. That's kind of how this whole thing works anyways. There have been 20 NFL linemen this season that have played 550 pass block snaps or more and have given up one sack or less. 20. 20 guys have played 550 pass block snaps, given up a sack or less. Four of them are on the Eagles. That's a fifth of the guys in the NFL that qualify for that stat. And that is a very elite pass blocking stat. That's 80% of the Eagles O-line, guys. How's that? Yeah. All season when I've been talking about how historically good this Eagles offensive line is, and I feel like I'm the only one talking about it at times, how's that for a fucking stat, huh? I think that this Eagles offense is going to be able to take advantage of the biggest weakness of this 49ers team. I mentioned the O-line will neutralize the pass rush, and if Hertz has time back there to connect on a couple of deep bombs, I think this could be child's play. I really do. A.J. Brown is coming off a quiet Sunday. Two receptions for 17 yards in that blowout win against the Giants. I think AJ could go nuclear in this game. He could have 100 yards and two touchdowns by halftime. And I'm call, you know, I know I'm calling for some aggressive stuff here, but I think again, if that game script comes together, like I'm not saying this is the most likely situation, but I do think there's a possibility that if the Eagles get a 7 or even 10 point lead and we start putting pressure on Purdy, this could snowball just like that Giants game did. It really could, guys. It really could. AJ Brown his odds to have a touchdown in this game are plus 155 on FanDuel. I've got my bet stamp app opened up, and I also am seeing his odds at plus 140 on BetMGM and plus 120 on Bet Rivers. I want to say that is. Um, so his odds are fluctuating quite a bit, but I'm locked in on A.J. Brown anytime touchdown plus 155. I also have bet A.J. Brown on uh, his longest reception, uh, I got over 26 and a half uh, yards on his longest reception. I got uh, minus 110 odds. That number is also fluctuating quite a bit. I have 
Um, over under on longest reception at 26 and a half, minus 110, minus 115, uh, minus 119. And then I've also got a 27 and a half at minus 110 and minus 111. So that's another one that I like quite a bit here. AJ Brown will connect on a deep ball in this game. I think it will happen early in the first half, maybe first quarter, if not early second quarter. Um, San Francisco for as great as their defense has been this season, that's their biggest weakness is going up, giving up the plays over the top. I don't think that they have a defensive back, specifically a corner that can challenge an alpha like AJ. I mentioned only two catches for 17 yards last week, but I think he's a guy that we are going to make a point to get involved early. And I think he's a guy that wants to make a big play in a big time game here. Um, he's just got that dog in him where I can just kind of feel a massive AJ 50-yard touchdown coming here. The 49ers give up uh, the 17th most 40-yard plays in the NFL this year. Again, they've given up the 17th most plays of 40 or more yards in the NFL, despite being the number one defense and all this great fucking shit. I heard, I heard. okay, so I'm a big Pat McAfee fan, but I also get really annoyed with some of his uh, exaggerations. And I heard McAfee mention in a sentence that this 49ers defense could go down as maybe the greatest of all time, I think was his exact quote, maybe the greatest of all time. And, you know, he's, you know, he's a guy that's going to put people over the top more often than not. He likes to put people over. He's a wrestling guy and it's a wrestling thing. Like you're always going to try and make the most out of it. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story or a good promo. Like that's just kind of how he operates. And I totally get it. And I respect it. This 49ers team doesn't belong to be anywhere close to a fucking conversation as a historic defense, okay? They're very good. They're very good at uh, getting pressure on the quarterback. They're very good at stopping the run. They're very good at shutting down short passing lanes over the middle, intermediate. They're not great over the top in that back end of the secondary there. Um, I mentioned, you know, Traverius Ward and Demandre Lenore. I'm mispronouncing that. Sorry, Lenore. Um, neither one of them can fucking guard AJ Brown. And then, yeah, go ahead and put a safety over top. Hufunga, that's not really what he does. Deshaun Gibson and Jimmy Ward. I mean, yeah, decent players. I'm sorry. I think AJ gets loose here. Again, I really like that over 26 and a half longest reception. I'm seeing his receiving yards creep up a little bit. I've got 70 and a half on three different books, and then I'm seeing a few different numbers. I've got a 72 and a half, and I've got a 73 and a half here. So a lot of variance in there. That number is clearly creeping up. Open 70 and a half. Some books have adjusted. Some books have not. I like AJ to have a big day. Again, anytime touchdown plus 155, over 26 and a half longest reception, and over 70 and a half receiving yards. I think all of those are in play. His over-under on receptions is 45. It's juiced like crazy. It's like minus 160 on the over. I'd rather take his longest reception or yards props because if you think the guy's getting five catches, trust me, he's getting those fucking yards and he's connecting on a deep ball. It's just happening. Um, Devontae Smith could have a good game too, but I really feel like AJ is the play here if you want to go prop heavy on one of these receivers. Hmm. Have I missed anything here? I'm excited for this game, guys, and I know that I really have painted only one side of this. I just, I really don't see the 49ers being able to, like, 
assert their dominance on like like in all their games doesn't it feel like they're just they're alphaing the other team they're just dominating the other team in a sense where like we're better than you so we're just gonna line up and we're gonna smash you and we're just gonna like you know you're gonna you're gonna turn the ball over us and and you're not gonna be able to stop our run and then off of that run we're gonna be able to get guys wide open on play action and it's just like I don't think they can do all of that against this Eagles team. And, you know, maybe I am making too much of this, but I'm telling you, I think this home field advantage, this hostile crowd, this environment, I think it makes a massive difference in this situation. I would be a lot more nervous about this game if it was in San Francisco. Not in a sense that I think that the Eagles would be outmatched, but I think that if the defense, or excuse me, if the hostile environment and the crowd noise isn't there when the 49ers are on offense. It's much more of a challenge for Philly. I think that, again, Purdy will turn the ball over. He will make crucial. Whether, you know, I'm trying to talk myself into a Purdy interception prop here, and I, I did not look up the odds for this one. My bad, guys. But the reason that I haven't really pulled the trigger just yet on that, and I'm not as gun-ho as I want to be on it, is because I think it could also be a situation where he just – he doesn't throw the pick because the ball doesn't get out of his hands. This kid could be sacked a lot, I think, in the second half of this game. I think the pass rush will get to him. I really, really do. I don't see this kid being able to keep his composure. I mean, we saw him look very human. In the I mean, this 49ers team was losing to the Seahawks 17-16 at halftime, guys. And Purdy was, you know, an inch or two away um, you know, a dropped interception or a tipped, you know, a fingertip on the ball away from a couple of turnovers in that game. The, I mean, and then Dallas, guys, I mean, Dallas really, this 49ers team looked very beatable last week against Dallas. If Dallas doesn't shoot themselves in the foot several times there, I mean, Purdy legitimately looked nervous in his post-game interview. Like, legitimately holy shit, I have to play in the AFC, NFC Championship game next week. What the fuck? How is this happening to me nervous? I think he is going to need an adult diaper on the sidelines this Sunday. I really think that our pass rush is going to get after the kid, and he is finally going to realize, wow, there's a lot more to this NFL stuff than just having crossing routes wide open 20 yards downfield. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you guys can tell where my thoughts are at with this. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for this other notes, I guess. Jalen hurts, uh, plus 125 anytime touchdown. I don't understand why that's not minus. Um, maybe they know something that we don't, but I'd feel like he gets in almost every game. He was minus 120 last week and now he's plus 125. Feels like we're getting decent value there. And again, my favorite player to target for props in this game is AJ Brown. I like almost all of his overs, like I said, leaning more towards the yards than the, the receptions. Um, I might look at some sack props for Eagles D linemen. I mentioned Josh Sweat is typically... Uh, okay, I'm glad I went here with my brain. Josh Sweat is typically lined up on the left tackle, and that's Trent Williams for this team. And I know, you. what are you thinking? You're going to take Josh Sweat to get a sack off of Trent Williams. But if you think about it, I mentioned... 
Brock Purdy drops back on eight, or excuse me, he rolls outside the pocket on 18% of his dropbacks, and he's actually rolling left more often than right. I heard somebody mention this on, I believe, the NFL Ringer show this week. Purdy is is having a weird tendency to to do the reverse rollout, like the Russell Wilson like loop to the left a little bit more. And if he tries to scramble like that, that's Josh Schwett's uh, contain zone. And he's very fast, and he's probably going to be able to chase down Brock Purdy if he tries to get loose outside the pocket. And once you get outside there, Trent, there's nothing Trent Williams can do. Like, he's not going to be keeping up with Josh Sweat on the perimeter like that. He's going to stay in his tackle box. Um, so whatever the odds are on Josh Sweat anytime sack, I mean, I've played that a couple of times this season at plus 250. Um, he, like I said, the guy's got double-digit sacks. He's one of the faster defensive ends in the NFL. And again, with Purdy's tendencies to boot to the left, I mean, if you're telling me that he, you know, if you're telling me that he boots left more often than right, and if he boots 18% of the time, you're telling me that, you know, one out of 10 dropbacks, you're going to get this kid rolling out to his left. Um, so, I mean, maybe Josh Sweat has two, three, maybe four, if it's a statistical outlier, opportunities to get a sack on this kid in a situation where he's going to be, you know, running for his life in the biggest moment of his life. So, um, last, last note, I think I'm going to leave you with guys, go ahead, go on YouTube and search for some of Brock Purdy's turnovers from his collegiate career at Iowa state. Have yourself a laugh. I, I know that Shanahan's system makes it super easy on quarterbacks and, this guy really is playing point guard at this point. He's distributing. He's facilitating. He doesn't have to be Superman. I, I think at some point here, though, the difference in this game, whether it's in the first quarter and it turns into a blowout or whether it's in the fourth quarter on the last drive to you know make a, a dramatic stop, I think that the difference at some point here becomes the Eagles' pass rush against Brock Purdy, and I think that the Eagles win. That's where I'm at. I'm laying the two and a half. I'm not worried about it. I like the under in this. I didn't really talk about that. I like the under 46 and a half if I have to give you a pick on that total. And I found this. Um, I thought this was really interesting. I had a book out here that was offering lines on highest and lowest scoring team this weekend. And you can get the 49ers to score the least amount of points on championship weekend at plus 190 odds. They're the favorite at plus 190. And if everything that I just talked about here in this situation comes to fruition, like I picked the over in the Bengals Chiefs game. I, you know, let's go back to my notes here. Last three matchups, 34-31 Bengals, 27-24 Bengals, 27-24 Bengals. So they're scoring over 50 points a game in those chiefs Bengals matchups. And now we have an Eagles defense at home against a seventh round. Yeah, seventh round. I almost called him undrafted. Seventh round rookie quarterback in his first road playoff start. Third road playoff game. Guy went 10 and 13 on the road as a starter at Iowa State. Playing against teams like Baylor and West Virginia. And now you can get him at plus 190 to score the least out of... Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts, and then Brock Purdy, plus 190, least amount of points scored. 
Looks like some value there, guys. So I hope you stuck around till the end of this episode because I waited till the last possible minute to pull that little nugget out of my ass. This one has been fun. I'm out of biased thoughts on the Eagles. But hey, you got to admit, I made a pretty good argument here. There's some good data there, guys. I feel very confident as an Eagles fan here. I really, really do. I will be surprised if we lose this game. I'm going to go ahead and say it. You can clip this and throw it back to me if you want. Give me a few days because I'm going to be in a dark, dark spot if the Eagles do end up falling short here. But I really think we're going back to the Super Bowl, man. Um, CMC, Donovan, uh, excuse me, CMC, Elijah Mitchell, and Debo all no practice this week. Forgot to mention that. Got buried in my notes here, but I do think it's it's worth noting the physical style that this 49ers team plays with. They're banged up, and they've, they didn't get the bye week. They didn't get to rest. We did. I think there's a lot going into this situation that uh, is going to play into the Eagles' favor. Go Birds, right? Go Birds, dude. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Those are my thoughts here. My throat is getting tired. I've been talking to myself for an hour straight. Thank you guys for listening. Um... Yeah, I, I don't really see myself betting, betting like that much this weekend. I, got, I gave you guys like four or five props throughout this episode. I'll post them on my Instagram. Get ready for the socials. Follow me on BetStamp. Download that app. Use my referral code JosephB and follow me at SGRPod on there to get all my picks in live time. Um, but yeah, I, you know, not that many bets. I'll have a handful here. I'll be on those AJ Brown props. I've already locked in mixing. Uh, might fuck with some purdy fade props. Maybe he's under on passing yards. But I'm not really betting these spreads or over-unders. I don't think I'm going to sit back and watch some good football here. So that's going to do it for me, guys. SGR 112 in the books. Thank you and ramble on.